So I have a pretty good guess as to what some of you are going to buy for your friends and family for Christmas. And I have a pretty good guess because I've read the statistics. And statistics say that 39% of us are going to at least buy a gift card for somebody from a store, from a department store, a Target, an Old Navy. So just out of curiosity, who's, who has already done some of their Christmas shopping? Oh, you guys are like with it. It's, it's almost all ladies. Um, the guys are waiting until December 23rd. How many of you guys, see if the statistics are right, how many of you have bought a gift card from a department store for somebody or something? Okay, we're a little bit below that average. We have some people, 39% of people are going to buy during Christmas a gift card to a store. 33% are going to buy a gift card to a restaurant for someone. So two out of three of us for Christmas are going to buy a gift card for somebody. Now, some, I don't know if it's generational or if it is just personality, but like I know my mom, my mom hates gift cards. Like she doesn't want to buy you a gift card. She doesn't want to give grandkids cash. You know, she wants to have a gift of something that she thought of and, and she gave them, which I, I do, I understand that. But there's also a part of me that if I'm getting something for somebody, if I know you love this, I want to go get it and give that to you. But if I don't know you're going to love it, there's a part of me that wants to give you something that's a gift card so that you can go get something that I know you're going to love. Here's the crazy thing. The average American household has $300 of unused gift cards credited to their name. That's not the Levi household. So that means that some other household somewhere has $600 because our gift card balance is zeroed out just about. I mean, that is, that's like date stuff. Uh, yesterday, um, was yesterday... Uh, yeah, yeah. We, Man and I went to a movie. She loves movies. That's it's the easiest. She's the easiest person to plan a date for because she goes to movies any day, every day. So our kids were doing a, a thing up here that our, some of our ladies did for our ministerial staff. And so we had the day to ourselves to go shopping, but we went to the movies instead and to lunch. And we left the movies. And I said, hey, where do you want to go eat lunch? And she said, I don't know. And I said, oh, man, I forgot this new trick I learned. I learned it on, on Twitter. Guys, you can try this. Uh, the guy said, hey, stop asking your wife where you want to go. Just tell her, hey, I picked out the most fantastic place for lunch. Take a guess. Where do you think it is? And whatever she guesses, that's where you go. And you go, yeah, you were right. Uh, you get it right every time. I messed it up. I said, where do you want to go? And she said, I don't, I don't know. Where do you want to go? And I was like, oh, here we go. And we're not, you know, it's going to be dinner before we decide where to go for lunch. And and then she said, I've got a Chewy's gift card. Get in the car. Here, there we go. Because that's how we decide where we go for dates. Whatever the gift card says, that's where we're going. So, Because um, we're not going to be leaving any, any of that money on those gift cards. $300, average American family. From 2005 to 2011. Get this. You know how much unspent gift cards in America there was? $41 billion. Gosh, that's so many date nights right there. Like, you know. That's date nights to Dubai, date nights to Germany, like, I mean, Europe, I mean, $41 billion. Now, for the last two weeks, we've been talking about our gifts, and we've been talking about using our gifts because we don't want the gifts that God has given us. We're not talking necessarily Christmas gifts. We're talking our spiritual gifts. We don't want them to be collecting dust. We don't want them to be unused, sitting on the sidelines. We want to activate those gifts to be a part of the kingdom work that God is doing. So in week one, we looked at some Old Testament figures, some people, and we saw the scripture is very clear that the Spirit of God 
came on people and enacted some gifts that they had to do different things. Some people, it was, it was work with their hands. It was metalwork and woodworking to build places of worship. For some people, it was 70 people at once and raised up to help spread the leadership over the nation. Uh, we saw it happen with King Saul, and he prophesied. He spoke forth for, for the word of God. And then we looked at Joel, the prophet, and he, Joel said there's coming a time where the Spirit of God isn't just going to fall discriminately on a few people as he's using them. The Spirit of God is going to be available to all flesh, and you and I are living in that time. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if there came a point in your life where you said, hey, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, I've been forgiven of my sin, the Spirit of God, Scripture tells us, came to indwell in you, and now you are a part of some of that story that God had planned from way before. And so we said, hey, in week one, all we want to do is just start considering that we would get off the sidelines and that we would use those gifts, that we may not even know what they are at the time, that we would use those gifts in 2018 to join God in what he was doing. Because that was God's plan from the very beginning to put his power in you. Before you were born, God knew, I'm gonna put my power in him and her. I'm gonna give him or her this gift and this is what they're gonna do for the kingdom. Then last week, we talked about kind of a controversial verse. In fact, I posted our bottom line up on Facebook, and one guy said, man, 25 comments in five minutes. So I posted up there and said, God has equipped you and me to do greater things than Jesus. Now, some people read that, and they went, well, Jesus saved the world. You're saying that we're better than Jesus. No, that's not what we're saying. What we're doing is saying what Jesus said in John. John recorded, Jesus said, hey, if you, if you believe me, you're going to do the works that I do and greater works than these. And we talked about it last week, and that's a hard thing to say. It makes us feel like we're saying that I'm, I'm better than Jesus, which is not what we're saying at all. What Jesus was saying is the Holy Spirit's going to come. This is the next part of his conversation. And we talk, The Holy Spirit's going to come when I leave. And the Holy Spirit's going to indwell in you, and you're going to do greater things than I did. And it's not real controversial when, when you think of it this way, that Jesus, who is the part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, When Jesus says, when I come in form of the Holy Spirit and I reside in every one of you, collectively, the work that I'm going to do through you is going to be greater than the work that I did through me by myself. We're we're going to be exponentially more because Jesus' Spirit is in so many of us. And so it's not that controversial. It just sounds controversial. But so last week we said, start dreaming about some greater things. And so we did the application of writing some things down that we believe that God, we want to see God do. And so we're going to be praying over those for the course of this year. So today we come and we're going to get the final piece of the puzzle together, get all of the ingredients on the table and see what we do with these gifts in 2018. So about Christmas time every year, um, we have, um, we call them Nina cookies. Now that means nothing to you because you don't have a Nina. I have a Nina. That's my, my dad's mom. And for years, Nina brings to my parents' house for Christmas her Nina cookies. They're, 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 I don't bake, so I can't really tell you what they are. They're, they're like a sugar cookie with frosting, and they are fantastic. They, my, my mom keeps all of the desserts like in her utility room, and she just lays them out in like the washer and dryer, real, real fancy at our house. Uh, and so you can kind of go in, and there's cookies, pieces of pie, things like that. So Nina cookies are the type of cookies that you walk in, and you're like, oh, man, there's like 20 left. And you grab one, and then you grab an extra plate, and you put two more on to hide so that when they're all gone, you still have some. And you open up the cabinet to put them in, and there's three more plates with hidden Nina cookies that other people have already placed up there. That's how good they are. 
And so, I mean, we, we talk about it. Three or four or five years ago or so, came in, grabbed some. And now let me just preface this. My grandmother's getting older. And she's been in and out of some care facilities. Um, and she brought her Nina cookies. And, and I took a bite into one. And it was horrific. I mean, it was like scrape your tongue bad. Like, ugh, ugh, what is that? You know? And like, we're looking at each other like, what has happened? Like, this is, I don't know, this is not, something went wrong. And so knowing that she's, she's older, you're gentle with the approach. And we said, hey, you know, like, did you get a different recipe for the cookies? And this is what she said. This is the God honest truth. She said, no, uh, when I was making them, I kind of blacked out for a minute. And I don't remember what all, what all I put in there. Clorox, like, I don't know, I mean, we're like, throw those away, we don't even know what's in those, you know, so, you know, okay, hey, Nina, like, next time, let's just get all the ingredients out on the table that we're going to use, just so, even if they're in the wrong proportions, at least we know they're all safe and edible, you know, just use, use those, but that's kind of where we're at today, we're getting all of the ingredients out on the table a commitment from two weeks ago that, yes, Lord, I'm going to do something with my gifts. God, what are the greater things you've called me to do? And then, and then today we're going we're to line out from Romans 12 some things that we see from the passage of Scripture, get all of these ingredients out so that we can mix them together. And from now until 2018, our prayer as disciples, but as also leaders of our family, can be a conversation of how are we going to serve what are we going to do? Because here is, here's where we're going in Romans 12. It's understanding this. These are some more of the ingredients. That we have got to know, we've got to grow, and we've got to connect our gifts. Now, we're going to see that in Romans 12 when we move that. that we've got to know what our gifts are. We've got to have a plan to grow those gifts. And then we have to have a plan to connect those gifts to something bigger. So go to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look in verse Three and Paul is in the midst of this uh, passage. He's going to give us one of two major lists of gifts. And about that in a second. But let's just let's read the passage and we'll come back and take it a little bit verse by verse. Romans twelve three. Paul says, "For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members." And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts defer according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So Paul starts this conversation about spiritual gifts with a caution. He says in verse three, he says, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly than he ought to think of himself. Paul says, hey, you gotta have some sober judgment because here's what Paul knows is going to happen. If you start using your gifts, God has gifted you, he's created you and put inside you a spirit, call it like a spiritual superpower, if you will. He's given you this gift that he has plans to use to do great things, that when you start using that gift, you're going to start seeing great things happen. Not only that, not only is your gift going to be used to change the world, to influence people that you care about, but you're going, because you're using them, you're going to start seeing growth in yourself. 
You're going to start seeing spiritual growth. You're going to start knowing the Lord better because you're walking with him, doing what he's created you to do. And here's what Paul knows. He knows that there's going to be a temptation in that when things start going well, that we start thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. That if you have the gift of teaching and you stand on the stage, you know know what the temptation is. You can go and deliver a message like I'm doing this morning and 90 people walk out of the room going, eh, that was kind of boring. I don't really know what he said. I dozed off. Something about, I think he ate Clorox at one point, which really, really explains kind of where the message came from, I think. There was some brain damage at that time. And three people can walk out of the room going, man, that was pretty good. And one of those three people or two of those three people, they catch the, the communicator afterwards and they go, man, that was really good. And that's all that the speaker hears because the other 90 people are decent human beings and they don't walk out on the way to big church and go, hey, you have a good week and yeah, oh, hey, just in case you didn't know, that, mess, that message was, it was one, of, one of the worst I've heard in a long time. You should consider a career change. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, right? People, people don't do that. And so when you hear the positive and that's all you hear, and really I'm, I'm not asking you to come and tell me all the negative. You can, you can if you want. I'm not asking for that. But when you hear that all the time, whatever, you start to go, man, I'm really good. I, I'm, they call me all the time to serve because you've served, and you've done well, and you enjoy it. And they go, hey, let's call them because we know that I, I am the go-to person who serves. If I got to get to hospitality. Anytime they're doing some decorating, they call me because I'm like the best decorator I do, you know. All of a sudden, we start to think, man, I am something. They talked about greater things. I'm doing greater things than Jesus. You know, Jesus is lucky to have me on his team. Now, that's, that's where we start going because that's our, our natural sin nature. So Paul says in this passage of Scripture, he says, hey, don't start thinking more highly of yourself. Um, have this sober judgment. You, you know what this is, is like, too, like, because you've got kids, and you may still do this, but there was a time, like, where Christmas and birthdays, like, your kids gave a gift to your spouse or to a sibling. You paid for it. You picked it out, right? Like, this week, um, I, I, allergies, it's allergy season for me, and so, and I'm on vacation, and it always happens during vacation. It's, like, the worst vacation when allergies, like, hit. And so, it wasn't been real bad, but I've been just a little bit slower around and didn't have anything. And so I'd been just in the house, hadn't gone out, gone out a whole lot, and been, had a fever one night, and my kids went to uh, the outlet mall to do something, and Amanda was with them, and, and it was Amanda's idea. She said, hey, your dad loves Auntie Anne's. Do you want get, like, to get, pick him out something? And they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And she said, well, what do you want to pick him out? Do you want just a regular pretzel? Or do you want to get something different? And Rayleigh said, well, what about this? It was like, had like jalapenos on it, and, like the sausage inside, and uh, Amanda's like, yeah, I bet he'd like that. And then Rayleigh says this. She's like, uh, no, no, I don't want to get that. I don't want to get that because if he doesn't like it, like I don't, want, I don't want the responsibility for it. Like I don't want it to be my idea. Amanda says, I think he's, he's going to like it. I mean, he likes that. So Amanda, again, track the story. Amanda's idea to stop at Auntie Anne's. Rayleigh wants no part of it. Amanda buys it. Guess how it was delivered to me? Dad, look what I got you. Right? You know, the kid, I mean, and, and that's kind of what Paul is saying here. Paul is going, hey, you have gifts that God has given you. They, came, they were his idea. 
They came from him. He's the one using them inside you. So you don't show up and go, look what I've done. Sober thinking. So here's what he says next. He talks about the body. And he says, for as in one body, this is verse four, for as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function, so we, though many are, body, many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. So Paul gives this, this picture, this analogy to him. He uses our body. He says, look, your body is made up of so many different parts, right? You have two feet and you have two hands. And even though they're on the ends of two different limbs and extremities, they do two different things. Life would not function you well if you had feet on the ends of your arms, right? Equally, it would not work out so well if you had hands at the bottom of your legs. You have parts that God has given you that have a specific function, and they make up your body. Some are, some are things that we, we, we would hate to live without, and we, we think about, like, like eyesight. You know, when you hit 40 and your eyes start going a little bit and you start, you know, missing the, the, the glory days, you know, when you could recognize your kids, you know, and like, which one is that over there? You know, th- those, are, th- those are good things, you know, and we think about the eyes, things like that. We have other parts of our body that we don't think about how important they are very often. You ever think about your ribs? Like what they do? Protecting all of these internal organs. If you didn't have ribs, it'd be a bad deal. God specifically, in his creativity, said, hey, I, as, as I construct you, you have these bones here, and they have a purpose, and they have, they have a function, and, and they're important. Uh, you have a liver. I mean, most of us don't walk around during the day going, man, so glad I've got a healthy liver. You don't even know if your liver's healthy or not, unless you go to the doctor, and the doctor you know, tells you, hey, your liver's fatty or whatever. You, you just assume that it's working, and you assume that it's working well. But Paul says, listen, you've got all of these different parts they all have different functions, and they make up your one body, and they're all important. It, it, I mean, if, if you didn't have a thumb, just that little small piece of your body, it would be difficult to, to do life. Do you know there's three small bones in your ear? Tiny bones. They're called the ossicle bones. And they each have, it's like the hammer, the anvil, something like that. I learned it back in like fourth grade and forgotten it since. But you have these three small bones in your ear that you don't think about you don't consider, but if God had not strategically put them there where they were, only 0.1% of what you hear in your eardrum would make it to the inner ear. Those three small bones are crucial to your experiencing life as you know it. And nobody thinks, ah, I got three, I could lose one. You know, I mean, you need them all. And so Paul says, just like that, we as the church who have these gifts we're a part of something bigger. We're a part of the body of Christ. And, and we need all of our gifts to function well. Just like life does not go well if one of those bones is broken. Just like life doesn't go well if your big toe is injured. Just like life doesn't go well if you have one broken rib. Life doesn't go as well for the body of Christ when all of the members and their gifts aren't functioning like they're supposed to function. That's why this is crucial to this idea of it's all about the gifts and going, hey, in 2018, we need to make some serious considerations of what God has gifted and called us to do so that we can go and make this body the best functioning body that there is. And then Paul gives us, in the next couple of verses, he gives us a list of some gifts. Now, this is not an exclusive list. How do we know? Because in 1 Corinthians, Paul himself is going to talk about gifts in chapter 12, 
and he's going to give a list of gifts, and these, the, the lists don't match perfectly. Peter is going to talk about some gifts that we have, and they don't, they're not all from the same list. And so actually at a mentor meeting this morning, we were talking about spiritual gifts. And, and one of the things I said is that there's, there's a pretty good chance there might be some spiritual gifts that God has given us that aren't even listed in any of these lists. But we're going to stick with some of these because we know that these are some. So here's what Paul says. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, which means we have different ones. We're not all going to have the same ones. And, and, and there's a purpose. It's, it's God's grace. It's God's grace that he gave me the gift. gave you the gift of whatever he gave you. It's all part of God's plan. Having the gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion, and that's going to be, that's going to be important. So let me just talk about this too, because sometimes we read the gifts and we're like, what does that mean? I don't even know. And we, we're not going to have time this morning to talk about all of them. But prophecy, let me tell you what it is not. Prophecy is not telling the future. Because some of you go, that's not me. Like, I, I think the Cowboys are going to win every year. And no, nope, I don't have the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is not foretelling. Prophecy is forthtelling. It's speaking the words of God. In fact, the prophets in the Old Testament who God gave them the gift of prophecy some of them spoke into the future, like Joel did. Joel said, there's coming a day. But all of those prophets, they start with kind of their talk about what God's saying is this. Here's what the Lord said. They're very clear. If you grew up King James, they, they, they said, thus saith the Lord. And then here is the prophecy. And some of it was future telling. But their gift wasn't telling the future. Their gift was speaking on behalf of God, as God told the future. So you have a lot of pastors who have the gift of prophecy, they stand in the pulpit, and they've spent time talking to the Lord and looking at his word, and God has, through his Holy Spirit, taken the word and got a message out of it for his people. And so the, the pastor can say, thus says the Lord. It's his gift. The, the scripture comes alive to him, and it's not just understanding it like maybe the gift of teaching is, but it's also communicating it in such a way that it's on behalf of God to the context that makes sense. And people walk out going, I heard from the Lord today. I, God was speaking through our pastor. God was speaking. That, that is the gift of prophecy. And Paul says, you use it. Now, here's where we talk about growing. We've got to know our gifts. Paul gives us a list. We've got to grow our gifts. Paul says, prophecy in proportion to our faith. So here's what that means. If you have the gift of prophecy, but you're a new believer, and you're not spending a lot of time with the Lord, that, that gift is going to be in proportion to your faith. It's going to be in proportion to how you grow it. You're not going to be able to communicate, here's what the Lord says, if you're not to a spiritual maturity level where you're hearing from the Lord to say, here's what he says. Does that make sense? So our gifts, and Paul says that specifically for the gift of prophecy, but it's true our gifts, they, they grow in proportion to our faith. So the, the, the deeper that I know Jesus and the, the more that I'm walking with him, the more my gift grows and the bigger it gets, okay? So he says that in prophecy, it's in proportion to your faith. If, if, that's one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of, of pastors that are, are new believers because they've got to spend some time growing so they can actually speak on behalf of the Lord. He says in verse seven, if service, this is easy, and are serving. And then Paul goes, hey, if you've got the gift of service, here's how you use it, serve. It makes sense, okay, check, got that. If teaching, Here's how you use it. Teach. The one who exhorts, the one who encourages, 
in his exhortation or his encouragement. God has given you the gift to encourage people, to, to push them on spiritually. Maybe you're, you know, that, that might be a gift that you use as a mentor. If you go, man, I've got the gift of exhortation. I encourage, you might be a fantastic mentor <coughs> as, you, as you coach people and push them along in their faith to, to grow further. He says, the one who contributes. See, there's, there's the gift, the spiritual gift of giving. He says, do it in generosity, which makes sense, right? If your gift is giving, you want to you be able to give as much as you can because that's how you use your, your gift. The one who leads, leadership is a gift, with zeal, with passion, do it well. The one who does acts of mercy, you have the gift of mercy. You're the person who, who listens when everyone else is, you know, they come to you when, when their world is falling apart. He says, do it with cheerfulness. We've got to know our gifts. Here's some listed. We've got to grow them because they happen in proportion of our faith. Here's what happens. Take the gift of, of giving. If, if you go out and you figure out a way to take a charity or a nonprofit or some, some, some need and you give to it, you're gonna be energized because that's your gift and you're gonna, you're gonna, man, you're just gonna, you're gonna sense that. And the more you do it and the more you grow in your faith and the more you listen to the Lord, the Lord and goes, hey, I've given you the gift of giving and I, you did well here and you did well here and I got a big task I need you to tackle right over here with your gift that I've given you. The more you do it, the more, the more you, want it, you want to get after it. The more you love it. So here is our, here's our um, application. We, we've gone over the last couple of weeks talking about, hey, Let's get on board. Let's change the way we think. Let's start praying, God, what would you have me do in 2018? Then we said last week our application was let's dream of some bigger things. Now our application comes right out of this bottom line, know, grow, and connect. We've got to know our gifts. So here's what I'm going to have you do right now. We're doing things a little bit different. Right now your teenagers down the hallway are taking a spiritual gifts inventory, okay? They, if you ask them, hey, what does the inventory say? If you want to have that conversation today, they're going to say, or they should say, I do not know. Because what I asked our leaders to do was to have them take the inventory, because it's like 50 questions, it takes a while, and we wanted them to be like, what does this question mean? But I said, I do not want our students grading it. Because as soon as they grade it, they're going to start going, I've got this, you've got that, what does that mean? And we're going to have that conversation in our small groups with them next week. In fact, our whole goal for next week in our small groups is to sit around and begin to brainstorm together. If you have this gift, what does it mean? And here, what are some ideas and how you could use it in 2018? So that's our goal. But we want to take the gift test now so that they have time to discuss it next week. If we did it next week, they would take it all and have like 20 minutes to talk about it. They wouldn't have a lot of time. So that being said, I think it's very important. If you can be here next week, that's going to be a fantastic discussion to have. For you... If you don't know what your gift is, if you go to the app that we have on the phone, and the key code word is uh, parents, has questions for you to talk about each week with your kids, there's actually a spiritual gift inventory uploaded there. You can download it, email it to yourself, you can take it yourself. Um, if your kids didn't, maybe you're here, your kids aren't, you can print off and <coughs> they can do it. You can grade it with them this week and have it done. But you gotta know your gift. Now let me caution this. A spiritual gift inventory is not inspired by the Holy Spirit, Okay? So when you take it and you go, oh, I took it, and it says that I have the gift of teaching, you may. You may not. In fact, you may just like the idea of teaching. You may think that you're a great teacher, and so you might answer all the questions in such a way that it says you're a teacher, and you're not. 
So what we do, that it's, just, it's one tool of many. It's a good tool to use, and there's no perfect one. I grabbed one from Lifeways Resources. I trust them. It's, it's an, it helps the conversation. And then you, you ask people, and you try it out. And so you might have the gift of teaching, and other people in your small group might go, I think you really could teach. And we might try to figure out a way to give you an opportunity to teach. And after that first time, we might go, I don't think that's the gift. You know, 14 people fell asleep. That's not a good sign. And, but it's, it's a tool. But you got to know them. So that, that's one way. So here's the second thing. You got to grow your gift. And, and you grow it by, one, growing your faith, which is an application we have in here all the time, to push yourself closer towards Jesus, to get into the Word on a daily basis, to talk with Him and listen, but also to use it. Because the more you grow your gift, the more you use it, the better it becomes. My wife has the gift, one of her gifts is the gift of hospitality. And you see that because in everything she does, like if anyone comes into our house, there's going to be cookies or some kind of food. Like we have a ministry team meeting and we meet at our house and I might even say, hey, we're gonna do a meal. She'll still have cookies out. And I'm like, you don't, you don't have to do that. We're just, we're gonna work. We're not gonna be here that long. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. Because that's her gift. And, and she's used it before. And as she uses it, it grows. And so now, even last night, we, we were invited over to a ninth grade Christmas party. They asked me to come so I could run some games for them. So I, I you know, was going to work. And I come home from walking around the neighborhood, doing some homeowner association stuff. And I walk in and she's baking cookies. And I, and I picked one up and I ate one. I said, hey, whose cookies am I eating right now? And she goes, those are for the ninth grade party. I'm like, you don't have to take cookies to someone else's party. Like, we're, we're going, you know, to do the, a job. Like, they're not, they're going to have plenty of food. And she's like, you, it's just, it's her gift. She's going to use it. She feels called to use it, has used it. It's grown to a point where there's not something happening that she's not using. I think one of my gifts is teaching. And, and so, I mean, I, I do that. But also one of the reasons why I think that is, I go to a conference and they ask me like to facilitate a discussion. That's so hard. Teachers aren't good facilitators. Like I want to tell everybody, but I, I mentor students. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm probably like the worst mentor around because mentors like, listen, I'm a teacher. And so they go, hey, here's, and we start, I start teaching. It just, but I do it so much, it's, it's what I love. And, and so I run, it's grown to that point where I need to keep it in the context for what it's used for. So we got to know them, we've got to use them so they grow and we can, we can keep using them. And then the last thing, we've got to connect them. Paul talked about the body. There, there's no lone wolves out there. Our gifts all work together. That's what makes the church fantastic, is you've got this gift, and she's got this gift, and he's got this gift, and I've got this gift, and we are able to to use them all together. So you have the gift of evangelism, and you go and lead someone to Christ. And your job is to disciple them, not just to get them to pray a prayer, but disciple them. But you go, man, I'm really good at evangelism. I'm really good at the front end. But you know what I can do? I can bring them someplace where there's somebody that has the gift of teaching. And connect them with somebody to help them grow that has the gift of encouraging. And connect them to a small group where somebody has the gift of leading and they lead our small group towards Jesus. And all of our gifts start working together. We gotta know them, we gotta grow them, and we gotta connect them. And that's where our application comes. I'll tell you one last story and I'll let you talk. Um, a supercomputer costs anywhere between 100 to $250 million to make. That's a, that's a hefty price. A couple of years ago at uh, Virginia Polytech Institute, 
some faculty and some students took over 100 different uh, just everyday Apple Macintosh computers, used computers, and they put a supercomputer together based out of all of those parts of just average computers. It actually cost them, they did it in less than a month at the cost of $5 million. That's a lot of money, but compared to $100 to $250 million, they built a a supercomputer out of a bunch of different small parts. It does 7.41 trillion operations per second. This time they think it is the fourth fastest computer on the planet. That's pretty cool. Some students and faculty did it with what most people would call spare parts, small things. But the, the picture is the picture of the church. A gift of teaching here, a gift of leading there, a gift of administration over here, a gift of hospitality here, a gift of mercy here, all functioning independently, function like one Apple Mac computer. Does well, meets some needs, but once they all start working together into the, the super church, the super computer, then we really start seeing things change. We start seeing greater things like we talked about. So, in 2018, our goal, again, I said this last week, we're not, I'm not coming back in 2018 in January and starting a series of here's how we serve and you gotta figure this out. In 2018, man, the goal is that, that we can come and go, hey, what is your ministry? And you can say, this is what, my, or this is what I'm discovering my ministry to be. This is what I'm trying out to see if my gifts match here and this is gonna be my ongoing work into the gospel to bring the kingdom of God here. That's our goal. Not just for us, but for those kiddos down the hallway as well. Because they're not the church of the future. They're the church of today. And we've got to equip them as parents, as their lead disciples, into figuring out what their gifts are and how to use them for the kingdom of God.